0: All right. Well, hey, good morning, and uh, welcome to Lighthouse Community. My name is Fritz. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, really glad you're with us. I want to welcome everybody, especially our guests. If this is your first time with us, thank you so much for joining us and being with us today. You could have been anywhere, and you chose to be here, and so we're very grateful. And then I do want to welcome those who are joining online. Maybe you're at Bluffton or Faustoria, Living Hope. Uh, I know we've actually got uh, one person in Germany today uh, who's joining us, so we're glad you're with us. Um, And then everybody at Lighthouse Online. Thank you guys so much for being with us today. Now there's a moment in the gospel of Matthew where Jesus is walking alongside a lake and he just kind of stops and he tells this parable to his disciples. And he says, listen, a farmer went out to scatter seed and some of the seed fell on a path and the birds ate it. Some of it fell on rocky soil and it began to grow, but when the sun came out, it scorched it and it died because it had no root. Some of the seed fell among thorns, and the thorns choked it out, and it never got a chance to grow. But some of the seed fell on good soil, and it produced 30, 60, and 100 times over what had been planted. And then Jesus stopped telling the parable, and the disciples are like, Okay, <laughs> you know, I, uh, and they're all wondering, What? Does this mean we don't understand? And they're all afraid to ask Jesus, right? What are you talking about? Because they're like, we've been walking with this guy for a while now. We should have it figured out. And so they ended up asking him. One of them, I don't know who was brave enough, but they said, "We don't get it. Um, Can you help us understand?" And so Jesus explained the parable. And essentially, what he says is this: is that it's not enough to learn about the gospel. It's not even enough enough to like the gospel. You've actually got to come to the place where you allow the gospel into your life. You let it dwell within you and you let it do its work in your life to completion. And they're going, okay, so this is really all about following you. That's what this is about. And, and I think about that moment of Jesus telling that parable, and there was a guy named Peter who was there. And he heard Jesus tell this parable with his own ears. He watched Jesus use his hands to talk with his own eyes. And then you fast forward a few decades, and Peter, one of the followers of Jesus, ends up writing a letter to some Christians who are going through a really challenging season in their life. And he says, basically, I want to show you one of the lessons that I learned from Jesus. And that's what he writes in this letter. And so today, what I want to show you from 1 Peter is what he has to say, following Christ looks like. And so that's how, that's what we're going to walk through today. We're going to talk about what following Christ is, we're going to talk about why you've got to keep following Christ, and then also what to expect when you're following Christ. So if you brought a Bible with you, I'm going to ask you to open up to 1 Peter chapter 4. Um, it's where we're going to start today. And we're actually wrapping up this series that we started seven weeks ago called Hope United, where we have been journeying through uh, the letter of 1 Peter. Now, uh, you might be going, wait a second, doesn't First Peter... Peter have five chapters. How are we ending it on chapter four? Uh, well, if you were here last week, uh, you will remember that Larry Sewell, one of our elders, he actually taught us uh, about chapter five and what was there. So if you want to go back and catch that, you can do that online, jump on the podcast or whatever, and you can get all caught up. But the, the real drive of this letter, the drive of the series, is to say, it can be challenging to follow Jesus Christ sometimes. Actually, it can be very, very challenging. And so what do we do when those moments come up? And what Peter keeps saying is, we keep choosing faith. We keep putting our hope in Christ, and we do that together. And so that's what we're going to be wrapping up this morning. Before we go any further, I do want to take a moment, and I want to pray. So I'm going to invite you here in the house to bow your heads and close your eyes. And let's take a moment to pray. Lord, I I think that I can speak on behalf of my family and friends here today that we would much rather meet with you than simply go through the motions of a church service today. We would want to hear the word of God as if you were speaking directly to us, and I pray that as we read through these scriptures, as we talk about them, as we open them up, that this wouldn't be seen as well. This is this is a guy's perspective or or whatnot, but rather we would we would see the words of scripture, and we would know that that is our God speaking to us right now. And and I pray that there would be a level that we would not come to the Bible uh, casually, but almost with the sense of awe, and it, to the point of even fear. And and trembling, recognizing that we are reading the very words of God, and the words of God are reading us, and they're revealing us to ourselves. And so, Lord, whatever whatever we've brought into this place and into this moment, I pray that your Holy Spirit would open our eyes. We would see you with clarity. We would hear you freshly again today, and there would be this invitation to trust you in maybe ways we never thought we could have trusted you before. We deeply, deeply want to meet with you today. Would would you do that in this place today, we ask. We do ask it humbly and boldly through the name of Christ. Amen. All right, uh, I am going to read, starting in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. Uh, it'll be on the screen. You can follow along there or in your own Bible that you brought with you. And it says this, Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin, so as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. For the time that has passed suffices for doing what the Gentiles that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, don't be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are Is scarcely saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? Therefore, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust their souls to a faithful Creator while doing good. And so, what I want to jump into first is what Peter exposes as to what following Christ is. And and right in verse 1, he says this statement. He says that whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. And what he's talking about is he's talking about suffering because... You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You're suffering because you're sharing the gospel, because you're praying, because you're serving other people with hope and with joy and in love. And so he's not talking about the random challenges and the random suffering that shows up in your life. That has its own challenges. What he is saying is those who suffer because they follow Jesus Christ have ceased from sin. Now, it's really tempting to go, oh, Well, if I want to overcome sin, then all I need to go out and do is suffer for Christ, right? Like, I'll go pick some fights spiritually, and then I'll be able to overcome sin. That's not what Peter is talking about. In fact, I think a better way to understand what he's saying is this, is that whoever has suffered in the flesh for Christ is finished with sin. They're finished with sin, meaning this, that being a Christian, what following Christ really is, is this is a decision— To break friendship with sin and begin friendship with Christ. This is what a Christ follower is. This is what it looks like to follow Christ. I'm actually ending my friendship with sin and I'm beginning a friendship with Christ. And so I'm done chasing my own desires. This is what Peter writes right after, right? We're we're not pursuing human passions anymore. Instead, I am living for God's will. And so what he's describing are two very different ways of living. One is which I'm in charge and I'm doing what I want to do and what makes sense to me in the time, in the moment. And what Peter is saying, actually, Christ followers, they pursue God's will, even when it doesn't make sense, when it's not fiscally responsible, when other people might push back on you, when other people might go, well, why would you do that? He says that's what following Christ is. In essence, following Jesus is a profound and radical shift away from a focus on myself and turning my focus to the Lord. That's what following Christ is. That's the essence of it. That's what it's about. You know, the apostle Paul who wrote the letter to the romans he and peter in overwhelming agreement in fact in romans chapter 12 verse 2 peter uh, excuse me paul wrote this to the to the christians in rome he said don't conform to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind then you will be able to test and approve what god's will is his good pleasing and perfect will he goes listen you used to walk in the patterns of this world you used to do the things that made sense to everybody else in this world In their mindset, but actually, as Christ followers, we're we're changing the way that we think, and in fact, we're being changed. We're being transformed through Christ, and then when that happens, you're able to discover and discern what God's will is. You know, as a pastor, I I get uh, the one question very very often, um, and it's usually this: What is God's will for my life? Right, I'm not sure what God wants me to do. Where does God want me to go to school? Does God want me to date this person? Does God want me to get married or to stay single? Do I, do I move to this town or do I stay here? What, how do I know what God's will for my life is? And that's a fine question. There's nothing wrong with that question at all. But I would like to put forward, and maybe you've asked that question. I know I've asked that question as well. What's God's will for my life? There's nothing wrong with that. I'd like to put forward what I would consider a better question and actually one that you can answer far, far easier uh, in a a more straightforward, simple way. It's simply this. Take the last three words off that question and just say, what is God's will? What's, What's God's will, right? Because God has so clearly revealed his will right here, right here in the page. This whole Book, the Bible, it's simply, it's God's character revealed. It's God's will revealed, right? And And the priority of the Christ follower is to discover the character of God from the Bible. It is to discover the will of God from the Bible, right? And so it's things like, did you know it's God's will for you to put your faith in him through Jesus Christ alone? There's no other way to be in a relationship with him. That's God's will for you. Do you know that once you do that, it's God's will for you to be conformed into the image of Christ? That as the Holy Spirit's doing his work in you, that your life should actually look more and more like Jesus Christ's the longer that you follow him? That's God's will, right? And so when, you, when you're reading the scriptures, you begin to see very plainly, very clearly what God's will is. And there's this amazing thing that, that happens. When you begin to discover God's character from the scripture and you begin to discover God's will from the scripture, what ends up happening is the spirit ends up leading you in the particulars in real time. That as you're trusting how God has revealed himself, he ends up guiding you on where you should go to school. He ends up guiding you on where you should work, if you should even get married, how many kids, right? Like, you know, vacate, right? All of this stuff just begins To be led by the Spirit. And so, what my my challenge to you is you might be focused on the particulars, but what the Lord is inviting you to do is to look at the big picture and to say, "What what is God's will for my life? And quite frankly, I don't know if you have faced this, but the largest hurdle for me has not been discovering God's will. Because that's very plain, right? When you read the scriptures in a very plain way, it's obvious. What has been the largest hurdle for me? has been to have the courage to do and choose God's will over my own. That has been my biggest and my most consistent hurdle as I've been walking with Jesus Christ. But this is what it is to follow Christ. It's breaking the reliance on myself, and I'm growing and learning how to rely on God more and more. So You've got to understand that actually the most mature Christians, it's not that they know the most Bible verses. It's not that they've read through a number of theology books. It's not that they serve the most number of hours in a given week. Actually, the most mature Christians are the most needy of the Lord. They know that every opportunity is a moment to rely on the Lord. Every opportunity, every moment is just this opportunity to go to God in prayer, to trust him, to seek him, to see what his word has to say. And so that's Peter's saying, that's what following Christ is. It's breaking relationship with sin and self, and it's beginning and growing my relationship with Christ. And so then he says, that's what following Christ is, but here's why you've got to keep on following Christ. In verse seven, what he writes is this. He says, the end of all things is at hand. Now what he's saying is this, there's not a lot of time left. That's what he's telling us. There's not a ton of time left. And so there's two ways to really understand that. One way is to say, okay, uh, Peter is talking about Christ's second coming. And he's talking about the end of time. Because when Jesus comes back, he's going to come back bodily. He's going to come back personally, and he's going to come back gloriously. It is go- if you're in Christ and you're here when Christ comes back, it's going to be one of the most amazing moments of your life to see Jesus come back in all of his glory. And no one's going to miss it, right? Jesus says, somebody goes, oh, you can find Jesus. He's down in South America. He says, don't believe him, right? Oh, you can find Jesus. I saw him in toast uh, in Massachusetts, right? No, no, no. Don't believe that, right? He says, when I come back, everybody's going to know that I came back. And so when Jesus comes back, that marks the end of this time, and it marks the beginning of a new time and a new era. And so Peter's saying, listen, the end of all things is at hand. We are one day closer to Jesus returning than we were yesterday. And so that's one way to understand that. I think another way to understand that the end of all things is at hand is Peter's reminding us the end of our time, that our earthly lives will be over one day? Right? This is what Psalm 39 verse 5 says, that you, talking to God, you have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. He says, the length of our lives before the Lord is like the width of our hand. And some of you guys are going, I wish I had a bigger hand. <laughs> Why is it so narrow? You're spreading out. Uh, right? uh, but the point is, like, think about this. Like, take a breath in and a breath out. That's how long your life is before the Lord. Right? That's it. Peter's saying, listen, we don't have a ton of time here. And and what he goes on to say is every one of us, every single person is going to give an account of their life before the Lord. Every single person will stand in judgment before God. And those who are in Christ, those who are in Christ are going to be judged on Christ's performance for them. That they will stand before God and God will look at them and he will judge them based on Christ's performance on their behalf. And those people will be welcomed into eternity with God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit forever. But he says there's another group of people that those who reject Christ in this life, they will actually be judged on their own performance. They will be judged on their own life and how well they met God's standard. And no one who's judged on their own performance will be able to stand on their own. And it says, in fact, what they're going to be is they're going to be stiff armed from God's kingdom for eternity. Right? They'll be turned away forever. And, and when we think about that philosophically, we go, man, that's, that's tough, and it's true, and it's right. And then the moment you take that from a philosophical truth and you cross over and you go, you know, some of the people who are rejecting God right now, those are, those are your friends. Some of those people are people you work with. For some of us, it gets way closer than that for some of us it's your spouse you've been married to for decades maybe for some it's your kids your parents your brother or your sister right this is this is not some far off theoretical thing this is real this is legitimate and peter says listen we don't have a lot of time and they don't have a lot of time, right? And so the reason we keep following Jesus is because we are God's plan to share the gospel with other people. You have to know that. You gotta know that there's no plan B. Like the church of Jesus Christ is God's plan for sharing. You are God's plan for telling others about the good news of Jesus Christ. And so Peter says, we don't have a lot of time. We've got to do what we can do. And this is the whole reason we're looking to build a new location on County Road 99, right? We recognize the barrier of this building. This has been a great gift for us for the last seven years. And at the same time, most weekends, it is overly full in this room. And think about this, our kids are 500 feet away away from us in a whole other building because we literally don't have room for them in these two rooms over here. And so it's like, we've got to do something to create space so that more people can hear about the good news of Jesus Christ and discover the joy of walking with him. And so Peter says, listen, we don't have a lot of time. And so we have to keep that in our mindsets. And the other reason he says that life is temporary is I think he's making the point that any suffering you face Any dishonor you go through because you're a Christ follower, any uncomfortableness that comes because you're sharing the gospel with someone else, that's temporary too. It's short-lived. Peter's like, I get it. Sometimes you get scared to talk to people about the gospel. Sometimes you get scared to to build a relationship with them. I get it. But it's temporary. The uncomfortableness is temporary. And, And what I think Peter might say to us today is he actually might be afraid for some of us because we are spending time fighting fights that are temporary and only matter here, right? We're fighting the battle for more money and more wealth. We're fighting the battle for more power and more influence. We're fighting like these political agendas that we get all riled up about, which quite frankly, we've forgotten what they even were 90 days ago. And Peter says, listen, this is temporary, right? The only thing that's not temporary, right? Look around for a moment. This building, these lights, right? All the drums, all all this stuff, the chairs, everything, it's all temporary. But there's one thing in this room that is not temporary, and it is the person next to you, the people you're sitting around, right? Peter says, "This, this is what matters. And so you don't have a lot of time left. And when you see that, that will change how you live, So what he does is he says you've got to get practical, right? He says we've got to pray bold prayers. We, we've got to live unselfishly towards one another. This is, this is what he's talking about when he's writing in verses 8, 9, 10, and 11, right? He's going, listen, we, we don't have a lot of time left, so, so we've got to build friendships through hospitality, right? Think about how powerful simply inviting someone over for a meal or simply asking questions, right? You don't have to have your pre-written presentation of how you're going to share the gospel with somebody. You can literally invite them over for your famous meatloaf and, and just have a conversation with somebody and go, hey, tell me, like, what do you think about life? We've never really had this conversation before, right? Hospitality has this amazing way to change people's perspective about the gospel. Actually, Romans chapter 2, verse 4 says this. Don't you realize that it is God's kindness that leads to repentance? That's what Paul wrote. He says, listen, we don't have a lot of time, so you've got to discover your spiritual gifts, and you've got to use them to serve others in ministry. And so for actually some of us here today, it's actually might be time for you to jump into a ministry team here at Lighthouse or, or maybe joining a ministry here in town, You know, the City Mission or Christian Clearinghouse or something along those lines to connect with people in a real way with the gospel. But Peter's saying, you don't have a lot of time, and so you've got to keep following Christ because we don't know when Jesus is coming back, and we don't know when our lives are going to be over, because they're about this long, right? And so that's why you've got to keep following Jesus. And then Peter makes this point. He says, here's what to expect when you do follow Jesus. He says this, is that Christ followers should expect to suffer because you're a Christian. Christ followers should expect to suffer because you're a Christian, and what he does is he lays out some really practical thoughts. He says, listen, people won't understand why you don't join them in sinful activities like you used to, right? Or why you won't join them at all in that way. He says, first, it'll be kind of like this surprise. Like, oh, well, you, you always used to hang out. This is what we always used to do. That's weird. Why wouldn't, you, why wouldn't you do that with us? And then he says it builds not only from surprise, it begins to build to insult." right? Well, it used to be a lot more fun before you found religion, right? Like, I can't believe you're hanging out with those volleyball thumpers. Uh, You know, know, don't worry about it. And, And what Peter says is, listen, when you're facing suffering, what this is, when you're facing pushback and opposition to your faith, this is what God uses to refine you. This is what God uses to grow you. This is what God uses to reveal what are your truest priorities in life. And then Peter says, don't be surprised when it moves from surprise to insult, even to the place where people who had claimed to be your friends, and they would, I'm always going to have your back. They actually start talking behind your back. Don't be surprised when that happens. Don't be surprised when you start getting less phone calls and less invites to the things that you used to get phone calls and invites into. Don't be surprised when people start to shame you. He says, this is normal. This is normal. Why? Why? Because you're walking in the light now. And if there's one thing that darkness does not like, it does not like light. Because it reveals the darkness within somebody's life. He said, this is normal. This is what it looks like to follow Jesus Christ. And so when, when you face suffering, because you're a Christian, it's really, really tempting to like give up and stop. Because you don't want to face that hurt anymore. You know, it's like well i'm I'm being hurt because I'm a Christian, so the most logical thing to me is I could stop the hurt if I stopped being a Christian right I mean it makes sense logically so uh years ago um I was uh, I was at the gym and they've got this machine. Uh, some of you guys raise your hand if you know what the inverted leg press is. Hey, raise your hand if you know what that is. Okay, like three of us. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I hate leg day too. So uh, so I'm like I'm gonna try this thing because I was tired of the bar being on my shoulder and, and whatnot. So I'm like I'm gonna get in this thing. And so you're kind of like you're upside down and your feet are above you and you're pressing weight up and down uh, in in an inverted position. So there were like a lot of people in the gym that day and so I was like well, I better put on a lot lot of weight, right? Because <laughs> that's, that's what you do. So I put like a lot of weight on there. I slowly start bringing it down. And then I push it up like, oh, well, that, that went up easier than I thought it went. So it came down a second time, got a little bit harder that time. So I thought, oh, I got this idea. What I'll do is I'll let it come down a little bit quick. I'll let it bounce. And then I'll push it off of my legs, right? Oh. <laughs> See, nobody told me what you just owed about uh, years ago. So I start letting the weight come down and I realize it's more weight than I was ready for and it drives my knees in further than I was ready and I go to resist against it and all of a sudden I hear a crack and a pain (laughs) and I do everything I can to push off of there. I get it locked back up and I realize that I had just cracked a rib in that moment, right? And it hurt if you've ever done that. That is painful. And it doesn't just hurt when it breaks. It hurts every time you... Yeah. And the only way I could stop the pain is if I stopped breathing. (laughs) Not a great long-term idea, right? Because if I stop breathing, I'm going to die. But the pain will stop, right? Like that's what I'm going for. Well, what happens for some of us is we recognize that there's pain when it comes to following Jesus, and you, you know there's pain when you go to the family gathering, and they know you're a Christ follower. They're pushing back on that. You know there's pain when you go to work. They know you're a Christ follower. And, and so what, here's, what, here's where I'm going with this. What ends up happening is for some of us is we actually, when you get to work, when you get to that family gathering, when you get to school, when you're with your boyfriend or your girlfriend, you actually stop following Christ in that moment because you don't want to deal with the pain and the hurt that goes with that. It's easier if I don't let people know. It's easier if I just stay quiet. It's easier if I don't get into it, because then at least I won't have to deal with the hurt. And when you stop following Christ in those moments, essentially what you're doing is you stop breathing spiritually. And if you do that long enough, you cannot survive, right? You cannot survive. And so Peter says, what do we do instead? Let's go back to verse one, right? Peter says, listen, here's what you've got to do. You've got to arm yourself with the same way of thinking that Christ had. You've got to arm yourself with the fact that I'm walking with God now. And this is temporary. This is all short-lived. And and all of these other people, this is all short-lived. This is how long our lives are. And so I arm myself with the same way of thinking that Christ did. And then Peter goes so far as you actually begin to see suffering as a gift. Peter Peter said that. You remember that? He says, if you face insult for Christ, it is a, you're blessed. You're blessed to suffer for Jesus Christ. And we're all going, that's the weirdest gift I would ever receive in my life. I don't want it. How in the world could it be a gift? Well, number one, it becomes a reminder that I really am a follower of Christ because I'm willing to face the insults and the shame of other people because I love Jesus. By the way, it's the same thing Jesus did for you. He faced the insult, he faced the shame, he faced the punishment in your place. And the way of Christ, quite frankly, it is suffering. The other reason suffering is a gift is you've got to understand that suffering is actually like this bucket of cold water. What ends up, I don't know if you've wrestled with this, but there's times where I find myself getting lulled to sleep by the comforts and the priorities of this world. I start getting caught up in what I think my family needs. I start thinking a lot about the next vacation. I begin thinking a lot about this thing or that thing or whatever. And listen, there's nothing wrong with vacations. There's nothing wrong with taking care of your family. You should. But what ends up happening for too many Christ followers in America today is we get lulled to sleep by the comforts and the priorities of this culture and this world. And what suffering does is while you're sleeping is it takes this bucket of cold water and it throws it on you. And you wake up and you start going, is this really the most important thing I should be giving my life to? Because I don't have a lot of time left, right? Should I really be planning out to this? I don't even know if tomorrow is going to be here. Should I be giving my life to this? And so suffering is this bucket of cold water that helps you to reorient your priorities around the Lord. And it becomes this invitation to trust God and to remember his character. Right? This is what Peter's doing in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 19. He says, Listen, remember, God is faithful. Remember, God is your creator, and he created you, he knows how to sustain you. And God is bringing all things to a completed purpose. And so actually, I thought this verse right here, 1 Peter 4 19, I thought we could read this out loud together uh, because I thought this might be a really great verse to memorize this week. And so let's read this together, starting with so then. Are you ready? Go. So then, let those who suffer according to God's will entrust themselves to a faithful creator while doing what is good. What if, what if we took time to memorize that passage this week, to remember that God is faithful, that he is our creator, that he's got a plan, and that I can continue to do good. Even when I'm suffering. Because what happens is when we memorize Scripture, it actually renews our mind. It actually helps us to think about things really clearly uh, when life is coming at us. And so a passage like that, when somebody's pushing back, when when you're facing suffering for Christ, it's this great reminder to say, man... Let me, let me think about all the things that Christ has done for me, all the things that God has done for me. And that can be the motivation to keep praying, to keep serving, to keep blessing, to keep sharing the gospel. And what Peter is essentially saying, hey, Christians, we've got to do everything we can to maintain a soft heart while we're facing opposition to the gospel. It's okay to have a tough skin, but you got to have a soft heart. But what I see so often for too many Christ followers is you actually develop a soft skin and you have a hard heart. You get offended by every little thing that's outside of what the Bible has to say and you're hard-hearted against the people who are doing that. But when I read the Gospels, I see a Savior who has thick skin and a really soft heart, who's compassionate to the people. He sees them as helpless and harassed as sheep without a shepherd. Peter's saying, "This, this is what we're called to. This is what we're called to. And so you're going to suffer because you're a follower of Christ. But the only way you make it through that is if you keep following Christ, right? It seems like a paradox. But it's true. It's the only way. And so it's not enough to come to church and hear the gospel. It's, it's not even enough to like what you're hearing about the gospel of Jesus. Peter says you've actually got across to the point that you obey the gospel of God. And the question may be, how do I do that? Well, it's, it's what we talked about from the beginning. I, I turn away from trusting myself and I turn to trusting God for absolutely everything. Not just heaven and fire insurance, but I trust his guidance through every decision, every situation, every moment. I seek and discern his will from the scriptures. You're going to face challenges and you're gonna face suffering because you're a follower of Christ. You remember the seed in the good soil that produced fruit 30, 60, 100 times over? That soil with that seed faced the same threat of birds potentially coming to steal it. It faced a hot scorching sun, right? It faced all the things that, that the other soils faced. But what was the critical difference between the good soil, and the others that didn't produce anything. It was fruit. It was the fruit that was produced. It was the roots and it was the fruits. And if, you are, if you're born again in Christ, it is God's will for you to produce fruit. It is God's will that the character of Christ comes out through you. It is God's will that the gospel would come out through you often. And Jesus said that the only way you bear fruit is if you abide in Christ. The only way you bear fruit is you keep following Jesus, even when you're suffering because you're following Jesus. And so keep following Jesus all the time. I want to invite you to bow your heads and to close your eyes. And I want to invite you to ask this question, Jesus, what are you saying to me right now? And then I just want you to listen to him for a moment. But I, I don't know how my friends and family feel this morning, but I feel like your spirit has taken the scriptures and put a mirror. Up to my, my own inner being. And there's some areas that I'm looking at right, right now, and I'm rejoicing to see how you have transformed and how you have changed me over the last 25 or 26 years. And then there's the same level where it's like, I can't believe I'm still wrestling with that. I can't believe that that is still a thing that is not. Nigh- at my side. God, will you set me free? Will you transform me? Will you make me new? And we, and we know that there's no level of, of discipline for us to break free on these things. This, this, is a, this is a supernatural work where we rely on you, we pursue you, we trust you, and we keep coming back again and again and Again. And, and I don't think you're, like, waiting to, to, like, show, like, to see, oh, well, what do we really think? What do we really feel? You know our hearts. You know our thoughts before they, they even come out of our minds and out of our hearts. I wonder if there's a level you wait and you're patient, because you want to know, you want us to know how much we desire you. You want us to know, right? That's the refining fire. It's the furnace that the gold and the silver goes through, and you reveal all those impurities that have to come out and I wonder if you're simply inviting us to see them clearly the way that you do or if we're gonna pretend like they don't exist and ignore them and so I, I thank you that there are times of deep deep challenge because we're following Jesus because through that you're drawing us to yourself and that's what we've been called to more than anything else is to walk with you hand in hand your spirit literally within us. Help us get to that place more and more, we pray. What's going to happen here in just a moment? In fact, uh, right now the band's going to come up and they're going to lead us in a song. And during that song, um, we're going to have prayer leaders who are going to be available in the four corners of the room. So I'm going to ask those prayer leaders if they'll begin making their way uh, there. They'll Most should probably be wearing a little badge like this. We'll have one up here on my left, your right, one up here by the cross, one back by the sound booth. And um, I think, uh, yeah, we'll have one back here by the double doors guarding so you can't get out unless you're prayed for. So, um try that one we do ask during this time just that that just nobody leaves unless you we get if you have an emergency or something like that but man let's just really step into this moment and seek the Lord in this and and so during the song if you want to pray about anything at all I'm just going to invite you to go to one of these corners um, and you're just going to walk up to that person you might introduce yourself if you don't know them and say and they'll ask you this how can I pray for you and you just share whatever your request is and they're trained and they're ready and they're excited to pray for you uh, today So uh, here's what I'm going to ask you to do uh, here in the house. Let's stand together as we prepare to sing. And if you need prayer, if you want prayer, don't ever be embarrassed to want to receive prayer. All of us need it. I need it. You need it. And so if you want prayer, I'm going to pray for you. And then I want you to come as well during this song. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would draw every single person who needs prayer, who desires prayer right now in Jesus' name. Amen. you want to pray, you can come. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like to learn more about Lighthouse Community, check out our website at mylighthousecommunity.com or connect with us on Facebook. You're invited to join us live Sunday mornings at 909 or 1111. Thanks again for listening to the Lighthouse Community Podcast.